Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as we are going through 1 Corinthians and continue on through the New Testament. But this morning's message is Paul's message of wisdom. Paul's message of wisdom. Now again, it really isn't Paul's wisdom, but it's the message of wisdom that God gave to him through the Holy Spirit. Let's begin with verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. And Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Because I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul says, when I came to teach you, he says, I came to teach you the testimony of God, the witness of God. You know, if you're called to court to be a witness, you can only testify to what you saw, what you heard, and what you know personally to be a fact. Paul was a witness only to God's revelation, not to his own understanding, not to his own reason or liking. God's revelation was everything. Man's wisdom was nothing. You shouldn't go to church to listen to the pastor's opinions about politics, about religion, or anything else. You should come to hear from the Lord through the pastor's teaching of God's Word. God's Word edifies. It unifies. Where man's opinions confuse and divide. And again, all you have to do is look at the world today. Paul assured the Corinthians that he didn't come to them to bring them his own words, his own opinion. He gave them the testimony of God and nothing else. That's what we need to hear. The most important duty of the ministry is to reveal God's word, his truth. And when Paul had preached to the Corinthians, just like he'd preached anywhere else, he says he was determined. He says, I have decided I am going, while I, he's, while I, while I teach you, I have de- determined I am not going to talk to you about anything but Jesus Christ. He says, first, who Jesus is, then what Jesus did, and then his death on the cross. Paul wasn't interested in talking about men's ideas or observations or the latest trends in religion or his own or anybody else's, what he has heard. He decided to focus only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. He didn't preach Jesus simply as the perfect teacher or the perfect example or the perfect man, even though he was all of those things. The foundation of all of Paul's preaching was Jesus as the divine Savior. And Paul clearly wasn't saying that he preached or he taught only evangelistic messages. Or that he explained only the scriptures that were dealing with his uh, Christ's atonement. He says in Acts 20, 27 that he taught the full counsel of God. He taught the full counsel of God. And we need the full counsel of God. You know, somebody said it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Not bits and pieces of it. Paul taught the word of God in Corinth for a year and a half. But it was and still is the cross of Jesus Christ that's the stumbling block or foolishness to unbelievers. And until a person accepts God's revelation by divine inspiration in the cross, no other revelation matters. 
To help a person understand the gospel, Paul would go to any length to explain and clarify the cross. But he wouldn't say one word to change or contradict it. Paul was a brilliant man as far as scholarship was. He was a brilliant scholar. And Paul could have overwhelmed his listeners with intellectual arguments. But instead, he shared the simple message of Christ by letting the Holy Spirit guide his words. When we share the good news with people, we need to follow Paul's example. We need to keep the message simple and basic. The Holy Spirit will give power to our words. And the Holy Spirit will use them to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And in verses 2, 3, and 4 here, you see the Trinity. As you read the, 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 the verses there, you'll see God, you'll see the, uh, Jesus, the Son, and you'll see the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 3 through 5 now. Paul goes on to say, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Weakness, fear, and much trembling, Paul said. Now that doesn't sound like Paul. Paul's weakness here was the weakness of the gospel in the sense of, he's saying, my preaching was very plain, which is really the power of God. You see, when I try to enhance the word of God, when I try to use, you know, big words or, or impress you or anybody else, with a, I weaken the gospel. The power is in the words because they are God's word and they've been inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Paul's weakness here was the weakness of the gospel. He says, my preaching was very plain, which really is the power of God. Now, by fear and trembling, he probably didn't mean mental or physical shaking because Paul was bold. Paul was courageous in preaching the word of God. Paul preached boldly, he lived boldly, and he counseled other believers to be bold in the Lord. So he used the phrase fear and trembling here and as well in several other places. And it has to do with the deep concern over an important, urgent matter. He was only fearful and trembling in the sense of being deeply concerned that the gospel would somehow find root in this most uh, unpromising place. Paul wasn't afraid for for his life. He wasn't afraid for for his safety. Okay, he was... You know, he was was concerned about those that that would, you know, again, not receive Christ's word. You know, the gospel uh, hasn't, hasn't lost its power. He was only afraid that it would be rejected and then the terrible consequences of that rejection. And Paul also clearly feared his own shortcomings and sin that could weaken his ministry. So you see, Paul was really determined that his message... And his preaching weren't in persuasive words of human wisdom. Man's words of wisdom, no matter how impressive they are, no matter how persuasive they are, would have robbed the gospel of its power. We need to stay out of the way of God's word. Paul didn't see any place for phony behavior and techniques to manipulate people's responses. A lot of people have responded to an emotional appeal without a true knowledge and conviction of God. You know, somebody said, if if somebody can talk you into receiving Christ, somebody can talk you out of walking with Christ. 
See, it has to be a conviction of the heart. It has to be a conviction. A belief is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. It's important to understand the difference. Paul didn't preach like that. He didn't preach with persuasive words. He didn't preach in trying to manipulate somebody into receiving Christ. He preached simply the word of God and allowed the power of the word of God through the conviction of the Holy Spirit to draw that person to Jesus Christ. If Paul had preached with, with, with persuasive words and techniques to manipulate, you know, he surely would have gotten a lot more people to listen. But his listeners would have still been in their sins and without a Savior. Not saved. Now Paul, man, he had, a, he had great natural skills and talents. But Paul didn't depend upon his natural skills and his talents. Even, even the human words and wisdom of an apostle could not save a person. Paul did not want his hearers to listen to him or to identify with him because of his own wisdom. Which would only give them another philosophy. Paul's philosophy. But with God's wisdom in Jesus Christ, that would give them eternal life. So if the Corinthians had come to faith through man's wisdom... They might change intellectually, but they wouldn't have changed spiritually. They'd still, be, they'd still be spiritually dead in their sins. But Paul didn't come with his own message. And this is what he's saying. He, w- he was just a channel of God's message. He was just the messenger. Only the message of God will bring with it the power of God. And the church is to be united around God's wisdom, not man's wisdom, which divides. We are one in Christ. We should be one in his word and in his power and in the fellowship of those who belong to Jesus Christ. Verses 6 and 7. Paul says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Paul says, when I'm with, when I'm with mature Christians, he says, I speak with words of wisdom. But not the kind of wisdom that, that's of this world. And not the kind of wisdom that appeals to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. False. Human wisdom really gets in the way of the gospel. For a true divine wisdom, it flows from the gospel. The word mature here that Paul uses can mean perfect or complete. And here Paul uses mature in the same way it's used in other ways by the writers of Hebrews, by the writer of Hebrews, to it referring to salvation. Those who are mature, Paul says, are those who are redeemed and are totally trusting in Jesus Christ. Paul isn't saying that he speaks God's wisdom only when he's with believers who are advanced in the faith, but only when he's among believers who are truly in the faith, those who are saved. And true believers are the only ones among whom the gospel can be wisdom. To everybody else, the the word of God is a stumbling block to them. It's foolishness to them. And obviously some Christians are better taught in the word of God and more obedient to God's wisdom than others are. Everybody develops, you know, in different rates in in the faith of Jesus Christ. And in verses 6 through 16 here, 
Paul highlights two points. One, that true wisdom isn't humanly discovered. True wisdom isn't humanly discovered. And number two, true wisdom is divinely revealed. True wisdom is divinely revealed. God's wisdom, the truth about him, and his message for man is wisdom. But he's, Paul says, no, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. And the word age refers to a period of time, a historic age. Paul wasn't just speaking about the specific historical period that he lived in, but all periods of history, all human wisdom is passing away. Because it's empty, it's useless, and it comes to nothing. Even, even rulers here, the word rulers here is speaking of leading men or men of authority. They can't claim it. They can't claim true wisdom or they can't even relate to it. And you know, we claim to have so many wise people today. Leaders, rulers, look at the mess our country is in. That's the wisdom of man. Because they don't bring God into their decision-making process. They don't follow the laws of God. It's foolishness to them. It's a stumbling block to them. They can't relate to it. And Paul uh, repeats the statement that he's definitely speaking wisdom. But he says, we speak God's wisdom. He says, the hidden wisdom. The natural man does not know and understand the wisdom of God and thinks that it's foolishness. Why? Because it's wisdom in a mystery. He says the hidden wisdom. Now, here we have the contrast between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Back in in chapter 1, verse 21 of 1 Corinthians, Paul said this, Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. The wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the world that, that, that comes to nothing versus the wisdom of God, which He calls a mystery. Now, in the New Testament, the word mystery, it's, something, it, 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 it's not something that's hidden. It's something that's now revealed that has been hidden in the past. But now the cross of Christ was a mystery, though God spoke about it in the New Testament. Over and over again, God spoke about the Messiah, about his suffering, about him being despised, rejected, and dying. Before it all happened, that was a mystery. It was hidden, but it was spoken about. But now the Jews didn't understand that. But now through Jesus Christ and his death, his resurrection, that mystery that once was is now revealed. It's been revealed from the cross. So in the New Testament, the word mystery is something that was hidden from man until now. The revelation by the actual death of Christ, the mystery of the cross has been revealed. That's why Paul says, so we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. In other words, the death of Jesus Christ. We can now see the Old Testament scriptures that refer to his death. And now it's clear what the scripture was saying, what the scriptures were saying about the Messiah. 
even though they seemed contradictory. Because, you see, it talked about his glorious reign, his eternal reign, his, his reign of power, his reign over the world, and his transformation. It spoke about that when the Messiah came. But it didn't turn out that way. It also speaks about his suffering and his death. You know, his hands and feet being pierced. It speaks about his garments being torn and the casting of lots for his robe. It was all there. But you see, they didn't understand until it actually happened. Again, that's why it was called a mystery, that it was hidden. They heard about all of those things that would happen to the Messiah. But again, they couldn't understand it until it actually happened. And now it has been revealed. So the mystery of the wisdom of God that was once hidden from human understanding and and now revealed to us by God, that wisdom which God devised and he decreed before the ages, all right, for our glorification to lift us into the glory of his presence. The plan of redemption was something that God ordained before the world was even created. Think about that. It was... was, It was a part, it was God's plan even before the world was created. And the Bible speaks about Christ crucified from the foundations of the earth. The Bible says, you know, it speaks about our names being written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundations of the world. It's something that God ordained from the beginning that he would demonstrate The scripture tells us that God would demonstrate his love to fallen man by sending his own son to take on their guilt and to die in their place. Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they had known they would not have crucified, for if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the crucifixion is proof that the rulers of this age didn't have God's wisdom. Because if they would have understood, it says they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Neither the leaders of the Jews, to whom the gospel was a stumbling block, nor the leaders of the Gentiles, to whom it was foolishness. They didn't understand God's divine wisdom. And in their ignorance of God, their willing, their, their willing ignorance, they executed his son. You see, that was the result of human wisdom. In the world's eyes, Jesus was anything but glorious. And today he's anything but glorious. But in God's eyes, he's the very Lord of glory. Verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen... Nor, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared to those who love him. This quote is from Isaiah 64, verse 4. Paul isn't referring to the wonders of heaven here, but to the wisdom of God. The wisdom that God has prepared for believers. His point is, that the natural eyes and the, man's eyes, natural eyes and man's natural ears and heart, the hearts of men, they can't know or understand God's wisdom. It's prepared only for those who love him. 
God's truth isn't visible by the naked eye. It's not audible to the ear. No matter how many high-tech instruments we might use, we, will, we still cannot understand in the natural sense the Word of God, uh, uh, again, uh, when we hear it. It's, uh, it's beyond us. It's not visible by the, aud- by the naked eye or audible to the ear. It doesn't matter what, how, how we try to understand it. We're just as helpless in trying to discover His truth through our minds and heart. The natural man. We can't rationalize it. Rationalism can't reason out God's truth. Man's two greatest human resources, observation and reason, they're both useless, just as useless in trying to discover the truth of God. But God's truth, God's plan, and God's wisdom, it's not hidden from his children. All that God has prepared for those who love him, it is not hidden from them. True wisdom is divinely revealed. Again, it's impossible for man to discover God's truth on his own. What man man can't find, God has given. Think about that. Man cannot come to God on his own. but, But God has come to him. And the Holy Spirit has entered into a man's place. The Holy Spirit has invaded man's person. And the Holy Spirit has shown him God through revelation, inspiration, and illumination. Look at verses 10 and 11. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is the Trinity's way of spreading and communicating God's truth. The first step, the first way of of spreading God's truth is revelation. Revelation. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God perfectly. And God has used angels for for many amazing and wonderful services to man. But God did not entrust the revelation of the new covenant to an angel. God revealed the truth of his word through the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the divine author of scripture. He's the author of scripture. He penned the scripture through man. God used many human mediators, but the message is totally of the Holy Spirit. The revelation is God's pure word. And to prove the Holy Spirit's unique qualification for revealing the word of God, Paul compares the Holy Spirit's knowledge of God's mind to a human being's knowledge of his own mind. In other words, no person can know another person as well as he knows himself. Nobody knows you better than you. Even husbands and wives who have lived together for years and have freely shared their thoughts and their dreams and their problems and their joys with each other, they never come to know their mate, their spouse, as intimately as they know themselves. Our deepest thoughts, the deep places of our hearts and minds are known only to ourselves. In the same way, Only God's own spirit, the Holy Spirit, can know him intimately. 
And it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the one who intimately knows the depths of God and the thoughts of God, whom God has sent to reveal his own wisdom to those who believe, to us. Verses 12 through 13, we see the second step of the Spirit's spreading of God's truth. It's called inspiration. Look at verses 12 through 13. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So again, the second step of spreading of the Spirit spreading God's truth, inspiration. His truth can't be discovered by man. All right? It can't be discovered by man. It can only be received. We have to receive it. And in order for it to be received, something must first be offered. You can't receive something unless it's being offered to you. The Holy Spirit, who is from God, not the spirit of the world, because that's human wisdom. The Holy Spirit has brought God's word to us, which makes up the things freely given to us by God. The Bible is the Spirit's channel. The the Bible, the Word of God, is is the Spirit's channel for bringing God's revelation. You want to know about God? You want to know who He is? You want God's, you know, His characteristics and His attributes to be revealed to you? It's through the reading of the Bible. You don't learn it any other way. The we's and the us in verses 12 through 13 doesn't refer to Christians in general, but to Paul himself. God's word is for all believers, but it was revealed only to the apostles and the other writers of the scriptures. Only those men can rightly say, or can it rightly be said to have been inspired. They were the only ones who were inspired. They wrote the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. The promise of John 14, 26, Jesus said, but the helper... The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus said that for the benefit of all believers, but it was given only to the apostles. Paul and the other writers of Scripture, they didn't write down their own ideas and interpretations like a lot of people tell you, well, the the Bible is just man writing down his own words and his own thoughts. No. No, they are God's words. They were inspired, moved by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And it's important we understand the difference. They wrote down, the apostles wrote down what God gave them and only what God gave them through the person of the Holy Spirit. In verse 12, Paul said, we have received that we might know. We have received that we might know. The Holy Spirit used... Words that the human writers knew and used. But the Holy Spirit chose them and he arranged them exactly in the order that he wanted them to be in. So the Bible is not only God's word, but God's words. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is inspired by God. The word scripture means writings. 
And it refers specifically to what God's chosen men wrote by his revelation and inspiration, not to everything they said and wrote. It refers, as Paul explains, to the things freely given to us by God, to the God-breathed words that they wrote. God's words were God-breathed. When Jesus, remember, when Jesus responded to Satan's first temptation in the wilderness, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3 there in Matthew 4.4. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God gave his own word in his own words. Let me say that again. God gave his own word in his own words. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is revealed, it is inspired, and it's authoritative. Which things we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in in those taught by the Holy Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Verses 14 through 16, we have the third step in the spirit spreading of God's truth, and that's through illumination. Look at verses 14 through 16. But the natural man, that means the man that is not saved, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit because they can only be understood by the Spirit which the natural man does not have the Holy Spirit. It says, because they are spiritually discerned, verse 15, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Notice that we have the mind of Christ. So it's a, here's the thing. And I remember when I first really picked up the Bible when I went into the military, you know, they, they gave us a Bible, but it's possible to read the Bible and still not understand it. And I remember that I said, okay, I, I, got, I got a few years here in the service. I guess I can read this now because, you know, I'm going to have some time. And I remember the first time I picked it up and I opened up to Genesis chapter 1. And I began to read and I closed that thing as fast as I opened it. I couldn't understand a word it was saying. The natural man, unsaved, cannot understand the things of the Spirit. It's two different worlds. And so it's possible to read the Bible and still not understand it. And I've heard people say, oh, I've read the Bible several times, and you know, and they give me all their... You know, yet they don't know the Lord. It's like Paul said, always learning and yet never yet coming to the knowledge of God. Again, it's possible to read the Bible and still not understand it. You can study the Bible for years. You can read all the different versions. You can memorize tons of Scripture and still not understand it. The scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were highly trained in the Old Testament. And yet they missed the whole message that it was giving. They totally failed to see Jesus. The promised Messiah when he came and lived among them. They didn't recognize him. They rejected him. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah because, you know, they didn't really believe Moses. 
And they placed their hope in Moses. They didn't accept the things of the Spirit of God because they seemed to be foolish to them. Because again, you have the natural man trying to understand the spiritual things of God. You see, those that are not saved are missing that spiritual dimension of their life. Because you see, those men who did not receive the things of God, they didn't belong to God. They weren't God's people. They couldn't understand those things because they are spiritually discerned. That is, they are spiritually learned. They are spiritually understood. But without the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you can't understand them because he's the author of the word of God. He penned those things through the apostles. Those scribes and those Pharisees, like everyone who rejects God, lived only in the realm of the natural man. The natural man had no way and has no desire to understand the spiritual nature of God's word. The natural man cannot know or understand the things of the Spirit of God because they can only be spiritually understood. Spiritual is in opposition to the natural and refers to the inner ability of the redeemed man or woman to grasp the things of God, to grasp God's truth. God's word is spiritually evaluated. It is spiritually understood, and the natural man is spiritually dead. David understood the need for God to illuminate his word. He prayed, and we should pray the same prayer before we open the scriptures. Lord, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Psalm 119, 18. As we open the word, Lord, show me the scriptures. Teach me the scriptures. Help me to see. Teach me what it is I need to learn, God. Open them up to me. David didn't need the Lord's help to read his word. We don't need the Lord's help to read the word. We need his help to understand it. Martin Luther said, The Bible can't be understood simply by study or talent. You must count only on the influence of the Holy Spirit. See, God has to open the eyes of our understanding before we can really know and correctly interpret his truth. His truth is open only to those who with a regenerate spirit, that is that one, that person who is born again in whom his spirit dwells because only the spirit can light up the scriptures. He is the light. You know, when I used to hear that expression, oh, I've seen the light. I used to, yeah, well, there's another one of those weirdos. But when you get saved and you read the scriptures and they come to light, now it's like, yes, somebody turned a light, turned on a light in a dark room. Now I see. Or once I was blind, now I see. I see the light of the word of God through the Holy, through the Holy Spirit. Just as the physically blind cannot see the sun, S-U-N, the spiritually blind, the spiritually blind cannot see the sun, S-O-N. Because both lack proper lighting. But you see, the one who is spiritual, who has the spirit, discerns all things, the Bible says. 
The believer has a teacher of truth dwelling in them in the person of the Holy Spirit to enlighten them about all the things of God that we need to know. John said in 1 John 2, 27, reading it from the the Living Bible, it, it says, As for you, you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives in you, in your heart, so that you don't need anyone to teach you what is right. Because He, the Holy Spirit, teaches you all things and He is the truth and no liar. And so, just as He has said, you must live in Christ never to depart from Him. Now, the Holy Spirit takes God's Word that He's revealed and inspired and He clarifies it for those in whom He dwells. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God that He's revealed and inspired and He clarifies it. clarifies it for us in whom he dwells. Unlike God's revelation and inspiration that was given to the biblical writers, his illumination is for all scriptures. We can all correctly discern the word of God when we rely on the one who gave it, who is the author of the word of God, the Holy Spirit. That's why, again, the Holy Spirit is so important in the life of the believer. We need the Holy Spirit. He's not a luxury. He's not an option. He's a necessity. Because the natural man cannot correctly discern God's word. He can't correctly discern God's people. Verse 15 here says, those who are not spiritual, I'm sorry, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. It's just as impossible for the world to understand faithful Christians as it is for them to understand God himself and his word. They try to discern believers, but they're always wrong. They always try to think about you and what you are and who you are. But they're wrong. They may accurately evaluate my faults. That's easy. They can look at and evaluate how I mess up and where I mess up. They can evaluate my shortcomings and, and, and you know, um, and, and because if my living is inconsistent with my faith, they can recognize that, but they cannot accurately evaluate my faith. So if the gospel itself is a stumbling block and foolishness to them, so is faith based on the gospel. The person in in Christ will be misunderstood and mistreated just like Jesus was. The world will laugh at us, they'll mock us, and in many places of the world still today even kill us. You see, the world crucified Jesus and will crucify his followers. Paul asks in verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord? What natural man thinks God's thoughts. Isaiah says, hey, God's thoughts are above our thoughts. Way above our thoughts. Unbelievers often want to correct us. They often want to correct believers. They want to argue about the truth that we believe and follow. And I love that. They want to argue about godly things when they don't know anything about godly things. How can you know about godly things if you don't read the scriptures? But when they contradict scriptural teaching, they're not arguing with us. Remember that they're arguing with God. Whose thoughts they don't understand. They're trying to instruct God. How foolish is that? 
But as Christians, but as Christians, God instructs us. We can understand all things of his word because we, it says here by Paul, we have the mind of Christ. Christ thinks God's thoughts, understands God's wisdom. We have his mind, Paul said in verse 16. Now the phrase we have, uh, this phrase, we have the mind of Christ is translated understanding. The way it's used here may be best understood from its use in Luke 24 to 45 of Jesus' revelation to the disciples on the road to Emmaus when he said to them, when they said, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So in closing, the doctrine of illumination doesn't mean that we can know and understand everything. All right? It doesn't mean that we can know and understand everything that, that, that we don't need human teachers. It's not saying that. Or that we need to study. All right? So the doctrine of illumination doesn't mean that we can know and understand everything and that we don't need human teachers or that study isn't hard work. What it does mean is that the scriptures can be understood by every Christian who is diligent and obedient in reading the word of God. Father, we thank you so much for this great chapter, Lord. And Father, I do pray that it would minister to us, Lord, and and teach us, God, the things that we really need to know, Lord. And Father, we need the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Father, let us understand that He is the author of the Word of God. And we need Him to teach us. We need Him to open up the Scriptures to us. And Father, it's such a blessed time of reading when, when, we, when God speaks to us through His Spirit. And when we learn the scriptures are open to us, it stirs us up, it excites us, and it it gives us a hunger to read more. And it's just so much more exciting when God speaks to me than any other method. Because I want to hear from God. I want to hear from you, Father. And Lord, may your church understand the need for the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the wonderful word, the Bible. Father, we thank you now for the offering that we're about to receive, Lord. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. Lord, you're just such a, a wonderful God to us, Lord. So, Father, again, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.